Welcome to the show, episode 12 of the Fruit Fruit Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Rainwater. So, what I want to talk about today is really simple. It doesn't matter the technique or the method that you use, but specifically in the context of breath work, it does not matter the technique or method that you use as long as you are able to eventually, when appropriate, to go beyond the method or technique to expand to either maybe a different method or technique or letting methods and techniques fall away altogether. But here's my kind of specific point around saying this, because this applies to everything, but with breath work, it applies even more so because as you've heard me speak about this before, it's my understanding that the only thing we are all actually striving for is to know ourselves, to self-actualize, to self-realize what we are underneath or beyond the different facades that we project out into the world. And so everything we experience, because we're projecting our false selves out into the world, we are experiencing the reflection, the reflections and the shadows and all of the consequences of those false selves. And in order to actually align with our purpose means we align with the mirror in such a way that the light that then shines back illuminates everything. So how does this interact within this idea that breath work is then therefore the best practice. So let me just speak on that. The reason breath work is the breath is the best practice is because it's impossible to do any form of breath work without 50% of what you're actually practicing. Even if you're just trying to cope with anxiety or fall asleep at night, it doesn't matter right? There's techniques for spiritual purification and, you know, all of that end of the woo-woo spectrum or whatever you want to call it. And then there's super practical things that the Navy SEALs use and that, you know, business professionals use and professional athletes use. And you could say, okay, well, one's for the spiritual purification of becoming enlightened and self-actualizing the fact that you are the universe or you are God. And I don't want to live and everyone's God. All of that, but all that stuff. And on the other end of the spectrum, What do those two things have in common? On one hand, this, the someone in, on the spiritual end of the spectrum is, is endeavoring to achieve greatness, and they've deemed greatness self-actualization or enlightenment. And on the other end, there's the material people 
also doing the exact same thing, chasing greatness, and what they've deemed great is, you know, a certain amount of money or something that is great in the context of their identity in the life that they're living. And so if you remove that identity, that narrative, their idea of who they are, um, those material or worldly aspects of success would then shift to be like, well, if I'm not who I thought I was, then what actually matters? And that's why spiritual people are considered to be spiritual because they, they're starting to identify more with this idea that what they actually are is so much more or is simply beyond um, who they have always thought themselves to be. So, if you hear a duck in the background, that's because there's a duck in the background. Um, so, that leads me to my next joke, which is, what did the duck say when he bought chapstick? Put it on my bill. So, jokes aside... We are endeavoring to achieve greatness. We each have a different idea of what makes something great. My idea of what makes something great is not an idea of a specific thing that is great. Therefore, if you achieve that thing, you are great. My idea of what is of what greatness is, is if you fully embrace and therefore fulfill your responsibility to yourself and everyone else, which is to authentically be your truest self, whatever that is. I don't know what that is. Right, But whatever that truest, most authentic self is, if you can be that, to whatever degree that you can be that and exude that and express that and live that, that's greatness. So if you're a musician, maybe you do that and you're successful because it aligns with the public's, the cultural idea or pop culture and the times and it's likable. But if you're kind of born in the wrong time period, then you either ahead of your time or just bad timing and you could be fulfilling your most authentic um, expression of who you are and expressing that perfectly through your art. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. And so greatness then in that context, you're still great. And you're going to be recognized or there's going to be an understanding of just how great it was at some point. But that some point is not up to you. It's not up to me. Um, and that's just one of the interesting things about greatness is that it's, it's not... You are not rewarded 
in the way that society thinks you should be for being great necessarily. Some people are. Some people are way after the fact or in different roundabout ways. So again, greatness, I'm saying that because it's built in. Greatness is how authentically can you live and express yourself in your specific uniqueness. And built into that is doing that without any need for it to be different than it is, right? Like you're not doing it because, oh, if I do this, I'll get a trophy. It's like, yeah, maybe there's a trophy that is like this in goal, but what you're doing is you're you're actually able to focus on being present and infusing every action with this level of presence that is the level of like focused work that wins Super Bowls, right? Like Tom Brady, <laughs> speaking of greatness, bro, like Tom Brady is not Tom Brady because he watched the news and paid attention to like all of the critics and all of the hype and cultural you know, commentary on like what's going to happen next. Like he's Tom Brady because he was so good, just like Michael Jordan, just like anybody like that. It's like they're, what they're actually good at is focusing on what's important, which is then inherently, you know, disconnecting them from everything that's not important, that's a distraction, and the quality of the effort that they put in then is so much such a higher quality of work um, because it was actually focused and and in the breath we see that of like if I'm actually focused on my breath the quality of my breath changes but the efficiency of my breath changes meaning that the amount of oxygen and the amount of energy that I'm able to actually extract out of the oxygen is increased by whatever amount that I'm actually able to stay present and focused on it because the energy that makes up life follows the attention of the focal attention of the mind. So how do we foster this ability to be authentic and to express our uniqueness in the world and to live an inspired life? Well, it's my understanding that when I'm sitting with myself watching my sensational experience, I'm aware of my mind going, to, going out, going to do, to think about things it needs to do, and it's all very tangible and in a way has my, seems to have my best interest at heart because it's like, yeah, I need to, you know, I need to take care of that and I need to make that phone call and there's things that practically on a practical level need to take place. And so I could think that, oh, my mind is, I just follow my mind because it knows it has all of these to-do lists and all of these ways of doing things that is the way I do things. Like, I'm, go I'm going to do those things. And so then I'm, you know, quote, meditating and realizing that when I'm, think when I'm following my mind in that context, 
that's where all of the discomfort and suffering arises because I'm not actually doing what I'm doing in that moment, which is observing what is. I'm actually following my thoughts, not in a witnessing, but in a actually identifying and feeling like um, being distracted in the sense that I'm actually going there. I'm actually leaving my awareness and going into cycling through all of these different things that I need to do. And then noticing kind of the agitation that that invokes and how my breath gets more constricted. And then I realize, oh, wait, I don't have to do any of that right now, actually, because what I'm doing right now is the thing that's so important, which is to take time to disconnect from following my mind around and to take a respite from that pretty exhausting activity. Um, and so I realized that in order to fulfill my highest interest, I actually, right now is actually the time to not follow my mind around and to follow my breath because there's nothing else I know to do. Basically, it's like, what else? Well, okay. If I stop doing everything, what's the only thing that continues? Well, I'm still breathing. So then I'm with my breath again. And I realize that my breath is like my mind. But instead of always moving kind of up and out and thinking about all the things it needs to do in every other moment besides this one, <laughs> instead the breath is the inverse of that where it actually, I, I, when I follow it and see what it's up to, it actually takes me deeper into the moment that's actually happening right now and further away from every other moment that's not this one. So in that moment, I'm like, okay, well, this is so relaxing because I can actually just be here right now and like relax, like actually just arrive, land. And then the next thing I'm aware of after that is how I'm following my thoughts around again. And so then I'm like, <laughs> how exhausted, you know, like, whoo, my breath's constricted. I'm following my thoughts around. Oh, this is exhausting. And I, and I was doing it because I thought it was in my best interest. And then I realized, oh, no, it, it is in my best interest at times. But right now is specifically not one of those times. Like it's the one time where it's the most specifically designed to be the opposite of following my mind around and to simply and solely follow my breath around. So then I go back to my breath and it's like, whew, I arrive again. And, you know, you kind of toggle back and forth between that. But my point in saying all of this is that breath work is the most powerful, important, universally accessible, free, joyous practice, modality, method. doesn't matter the technique. Any breath work practice, any, any breath work practice is the best because it is a actionable counterpart to this esoteric idea that we have around meditation and, and then what we've called mindfulness and then our, our technical terms for distinguishing the two and all of this mumbo-jumbo. Like, 
to actually experience something is the only way to actually know it. And so to know meditation, to practice meditation is the endeavor of to know meditation. And to know meditation, we watch our breathing and meditation is experienced through that. So why are we teaching meditation when we just be teaching breathing? Why are we teaching, you know, all of the different things that one can be taught and one can endeavor to learn if we don't have a baseline of being able to distinguish are we following our thoughts around in this habitual repetitive cycle or are we following our breath into the here and now into that place where you know they've proven the amount of benefit or information that's retained when we are in a state of of deep practice of deep focus right whatever brain wave we switch to whether it's you know beta theta blah 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 um i don't have those memorized in order off the top of my head but you get the point when we're in that state of deep practice a half an hour of practice is worth the equivalent of like eight hours or whatever of distracted like not actually focused practice so it's like we're we're endeavoring to soak up all of this information and to figure out all the world's problems but on a societal level we're you know not acknowledging the fact that there's that baseline ability to be moving in the direction of experiencing yourself as you are and if that's not practiced, then it's just a repetitive cycle of doing something that you think is in your best interest because your mind is vigilantly telling you that you need to do this. And it's really a crapshoot of like, is the mind doing that because my mind is like actually logical and has been conversing with my heart um, behind my back or is my mind saying that because it's just freaking the fuck out because you know it's been on social media and watching the news and you know now I've got like a bunker belt in my backyard and like there's all this shit that's like wait a second you know maybe on your deathbed or at whatever point you realize that like oh my god I I was insane and the world was insane because we are as insane as we are um, unable to distinguish something for what it is. And in this context, we're obviously the big kahuna is to, to be able to distinguish what we are from what we are not. But the build-up to that is being able to distinguish the reality of the situation from our um, projection or misinterpretation of the reality of the situation. So, to end on this note of just taking it one step deeper, void of frou-frou. 
breathing practices being the most powerful, amazing practice out there because of everything I just said. What is the breathing practice teaching us, though? If we could siphon one core component out of the breathing practice, because, you know, there's breathing practices involve breath awareness and conscious breathing and um, relaxation and, you know, there can all the different kinds and visualization and, you know, mantras. Like, it can be so... There's so many things that can take place in breathing and to remove those things, to refine those things down to the essence of breathing. So that's to say that I think to start, breathing practices are helpful. If you're a beginner, it's helpful to do more complicated ones because then you have to focus and pay attention and it gives you something more to do. And if they just, and if you're just told to just watch your breath, you don't really do that. You do, and then you're thinking about stuff. Whereas if you have something that's more um, complicated to actually navigate, then you're able to focus on it better. So you're weaning yourself from more complicated practices. And this applies to any practice, but we're talking about breathing right now. Complicated breathwork practices to refining it to the point you know, where you're kind of... Um, accessing all of the benefit of all of those breathwork practices by simply breathing in and breathing out in a slow, calm, relaxed way through your nose. Right? And at the beginning, it's like, <laughs> you're doing all this stuff and getting all this benefit, and it starts to compound upon itself and momentum, and you have, you know, the consistency builds, and you get more and more benefit. And you grow and you grow and you grow and you learn and you learn and you learn. And that learning and growing and benefiting increase doesn't stop. Um, even though you do less and less gymnastical <laughs> breathing, you know, you're less of a breathing acrobat and you're actually kind of, if you would have told your younger self where you were to end up, you'd be like, well, this is kind of boring. I'm just sitting here and breathing. But you were refining it to this essentialness the essence of it and in order to refine because and because in order to refine your awareness to be able to achieve the level of awareness to realize through direct experience who you actually are since you are spirit <laughs> um, and spirit is breath you are your breath so you're becoming aware of yourself by practicing breath awareness and cultivating that. And so again, before awareness and meditation can take hold, we have to concentrate. We have to practice focusing our mind and concentrating. So complicated endeavors are good at first, and then you get simpler, 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 until it's just like the essence of it. So what is the essence of it? If I were to explain the essence of the simp of the most perfect and simplistic cycle of breath. What is the essence of that? What is the intellectual way of describing the physiological um, process that just took place of inhaling and exhaling? So I would say, and I would be curious, it would be kind of fun for everyone to answer this for themselves, but I would say that the process, the physiological sequence of inhaling and exhaling is 
on an emotional level experienced or is the equivalent of obviously a sigh of relief. And if you're in the breathwork world, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, damn relay, great. You know, and also boring next thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> or maybe not. Maybe like, oh, my God, yeah, I love this. Um, Tamburlay is brilliant, by the way. So, anyways, I digress. The most essential, it's a sigh of relief. What is a sigh of relief? It's the physiological expression of basically decompressing, of letting go, of building up full of all of the pressures of life and all of the energies and tensions and... And then that decompression moment of just letting go. So in order to achieve all of these end goals for all of these different activities, it's my experience that the one thing, whether we're trying to heal depression or PTSD, um, and maybe we do psychedelic therapies, maybe we do whatever, all these different therapies, if we're successful, to whatever degree that we're successful, is to whatever degree that we're able to actually strengthen that muscle of letting go. And that muscle of letting go, here's the whole kind of kicker, I think, what I'm coming to right now, is that that whole process of letting go is the process of breath work in the example I gave earlier of Earlier of breath work, meditation, you are choosing to let go of following your thoughts in your mind. And in, in, in that choosing to let go, you're able to actually release yourself from that never-ending burdensome cycle and take respite in, you know, to be very Buddhist, take respite in the Dharma, take refuge in the Dharma, to take refuge in the eternal in and out expansion contraction of just observing you in your basic nature. And so some people might think it involves letting go of, like letting go means you drop in to yourself. And it does, but what you're letting go of is the need or the compulsion to think that what your brain is thinking, what your small mind is thinking, is not the point of your focus. And the mind kind of sorts itself out and becomes able to serve you better if you actually let go of trying to control it and simply take respite in watching yourself as you are at your most essential nature, expansion, contraction. Breathing in, breathing out. So leave your questions and comments if you have any. Um, and that's all I have to say for episode 12. Thank you. So if you are interested, you can find out more about 
all this stuff through exploring your own breath. And if you want to do that with me, I do an online class that happens on the last Sunday of each month that obviously you can participate in from anywhere on the planet because it's online. And then I do a in-person class in Shelburne Falls, Massachusetts, and that happens the second Sunday or Saturday, depending um, on, of every month. And you can find out the information and how to sign up and all of that by following me on Instagram at dr.rainwater. And I, you know, post the schedule and things. And then also my link in bio, you can sign up for the newsletter and things such as that. And you can also, through that, go to my website, rainwaterbreathworks.com. And then, yeah, that's basically how to stay in the loop. So, yeah, thanks for listening to episode 12. And I'll see you next time. Cut the fru-fru, cut the fru, cut the fru.